0: Ah, mira, mira, they're setting up for tonight. The music competition for Dia de Muertos. You want to be like your hero? You should sign up. Uh, Uh-uh, my family would freak.
1: Look, if you're too scared, then well, have fun making shoes. Come on, what did De La Cruz always say?
0: Seize your moment?
1: Show me what you got, muchacho. I'll be your first audience.
0: Miguel! <gasps> uh, Abuelita! What are you doing here? Um, uh, you leave my grandson alone! Doña, please! I was just getting a shine! I know your tricks, Mariachi! What did he say to you? He was just showing me his guitar! <gasps> Shame on you! Uh, my grandson! is a Sweet little angelito querido cielito! He wants no part of your music, Mariachi! You keep away from him! <gasps>
1: hello everybody welcome to episode 109 109
0: 109.
1: (laughs) 1 and nine implies a a decimal i believe (laughs) hello everybody welcome to episode 109 of vague zone (laughs) i am daniel one of your hosts um thomas and today we are on our third film of our trilogy of death our first film was The Seventh Seal, our second was Afterlife, and now we have arrived at the Disney Pixar film Coco. Um, Before we get into the discussion, Thomas, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis for Coco?
0: Absolutely. Coco, 2017, directed by Lee Unkrich and co-directed by Adrian Molina. Aspiring musician Miguel, confronted with his family's ancestral ban on music, enters the land of the dead to find his great-great-grandfather, a legendary singer.
1: Mm -hmm. Thomas, this was your pick for our third death film. Uh, Why did you pick Coco, and how do you feel about Coco?
0: Well, I picked Coco. I think it, it helps to have a good tonal shift. We had some pretty heavy films about death um afterlife was incredible very like i say very poetic very sweet very human film about humans kind of passing over and choosing a memory to take with them into the afterlife we talked about the Seven seal which is some consider like you know a absolute film classic one of the greatest movies maybe one of the greatest movies ever made just because of the, the era that it came out in and just like how iconic it is for film and with fantastic performances, one by Max von Sydow. Uh, like, that movie is incredible as well. Um, but I wanted to do something a little bit different, kind of do something a more modern movie, something a little bit more fun, a little bit more vibrant, that deals with the uh, the sort of theme of death. And Coco fits perfectly in that, because D- Disney Pixar film, sort of in this current era of Pixar films that are just, like, very, very well-made, uh, high-quality animation, like, and just, like... There's so many good things about these, like, more recent Pixar films because they're just, like, the technology is just getting so great. It's just yeah. getting so incredible that, yeah, it's just vis- – they're always, like, visually stunning and just, like, pushing the boundaries of, like, what animation can do. And, yeah, I think it fits perfectly, yes. It's a movie about Dios de los Muertos and this character sort of going into the land of the dead. And, yeah, I don't know, it's a fantastic – Disney movie is a fantastic – like animated movie, but also it, I think, yeah, it fits perfectly into this theme because yeah, it's dealing with the theme of death and it's dealing with like family and honoring family and uh, yeah, I think it just fit perfectly. It just kind of felt like a little bit of a no brainer and uh, yeah, and I yeah, I feel like it also is nice to do something a little bit more light and fun after those two kind of heavier films. But this movie still hits really hard. Like we mentioned it in the last conversation. Yeah, uh, it definitely is a tearjerker. The song "Remember Me" is. Uh, it's too good. <laughs> it's just, it's a song that's just too good for its own right. Very effective. Yeah, and I don't know, it, it just does everything fucking right, and yeah, as far as my relationship to this movie, I don't remember the context of what made me want to watch it the first time. I just, I think it was just word of mouth. People were just saying this movie is incredible. The music is incredible, and I don't know, I just sort of just threw it on one day and just ended, yeah, just was a crying, ugly crying mess by the time this movie is over, because it just hit so fucking hard being about a kid wanting to play music and like mm. connecting with his ancestors and just the vibrance of the mexican culture is just like just pouring out of this this movie it's just such a gorgeous beautiful piece i don't know there's just so many great things about it and yeah I thought it'd be absolutely perfect to sort of end our trilogy on a high note with something kind of fun so that's sort of why i chose it and my connection to it uh, what is your connection to the film coco
1: Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm kind of similar where it's like, I don't know why I saw this movie. Did I, I think maybe I was just hearing positive word of mouth, uh, but I think it may have also been a MoviePass movie, where I was just, like, seeing everything at the time. Yeah. Um, but I remember I went to go see it alone, I want to say, at the Century Theater in San Francisco. (laughs) And, yeah, I remember, like, the theater I was in when I saw it. Um, I had center seats, you know, uh, and I was by myself and the, probably the only grown man who was by their self in this <laughs> theater. So I felt a little uncomfortable. Um, and I cried probably three times in this movie, uh, maybe four. Yeah. Um, but I remember when the movie ended that I felt like I couldn't leave, that I couldn't let anyone see a grown man, <laughs> <laughs> like with my puffy red eyes having, you know, cried so hard ugly crying uh i had to wait until everyone else left the theater before i could leave um and yeah this movie it, it fucked me up yeah. <laughs> and so so on the rewatch uh i watched it on f- a fairly small tv cuz i was traveling um and i am i already kind of like want to throw it on again cuz yeah. there's so much beautiful color in this movie and so so many i don't know once they get to the land of the dead and it's just this immense city and you want to soak in all of the detail. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's I like, I wish I could see this on the biggest screen possible again. Um, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely, it spoke to me as somewhat of Mexican descent. Uh, at my family, we don't celebrate Dia de los Muertos. I remember saying that perhaps we should um, after my grandmother had died. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, I still kind of feel like you know maybe this is something we should do. I think it's pretty, there it's pretty beautiful the idea of like an ofrenda, uh, of like having this like altar where with with you know the family that has passed, um, and just taking a day to like tell the stories of these people who meant so much to you, um, and keeping their memory alive. Like memory is a big part of this movie and a big part of the last movie too that we did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this like. It hit me hard seeing, like, a a brown-skinned kid playing guitar. Uh, proudly, happily, joyously playing guitar and singing in Spanish in a movie yeah. that I knew was going to be seen by millions of people. Uh, like, I'm getting a little choked up of talking about it right now. Um, just because it's like, you know, they say representation is important. And it, it Like, I, I, I think I've mentioned on this show before, like... When I was a kid, my favorite Power Ranger was the Black Power Ranger because, like, you know, I am certainly not a black person, (laughs) but like, I felt like there was a certain camaraderie in in uh, uh, connecting with the minority character. Definitely, Um, yeah, yeah. And like, like Spawn was my favorite superhero and stuff like that. Um, And like, oh, I I did mention that this was when um, we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, Data was my favorite Goonie. Yes, yeah, Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it is... Yeah, it, it, it meant a lot to me seeing, you know, a brown skid kid uh, starring in a fucking Disney movie. Like, Disney, this yeah. giant. Yeah. Uh, so, and then the fact that it's all about death, and, like, uh, it's, like, an existential film. Like, I cry a lot during just, like, kids' movies in general. Like, thinking about, like, you know, we went to film school, we know the work involved in making a movie. Like it takes all of these minds and bodies coming together to construct something. And the idea of all these people putting their time and their energy into making something for children and thinking about like parents sitting next to their kids and maybe not understanding, like how do I talk to my child about death? Um, These like very real human experiences that we struggle to communicate. Uh, yeah, yeah, the the idea that like all these people are working together to create this like special thing for these children that are going to be part of their lives forever like this it's a good movie like kids are going to remember this uh i don't know there's something so beautiful about that that like chokes me up too so so i fucking love this movie <laughs> it like it works for me on pretty much every level uh
0: yeah yeah absolutely yeah i can say that yeah it's like I'm not a Mexican person, but like seeing like how music plays into this movie fucking hits really hard to me because like I've been like my dad's a drummer, yeah, (laughs) like play music my entire life, and by no means like a professional musician, but it's like this music is something incredibly special to me, and like yeah, just like the use of songs and like the whole idea of like oh we're just gonna ban music from this family but like mm-hmm. the uh, like the great grandmother has like the la ronya song that she like loves to sing and like she brings that out in the climax of the movie it's just it's like they have like this hidden thing under underneath them that's just like waiting to sort of come out and it's just so fucking beautiful and i appreciate the fact that the technology is like so it has improved and surpassed so much to in the at this point in 2017 to where the fingering on the guitar is like accurate it's like so when like yeah. coco's like actually it's playing cool. the guitar it's like that's what actually he's actually playing the chords and actually hitting the right notes and it's just like fucking a it's like it's just so great because you've seen so many like people depicting guitarists or musicians <laughs> yeah. on, on screen it's just like they're not doing anything <laughs> like there's a great like uh youtube video it's like bart simpson learning how to play the drums but like the like play, like, the actual, like, drum hits that he's playing, and it's just, like, it's a complete mess. It's just, like, he's just hitting random shit. He's not actually yeah. playing a beat, and, yeah, it's just, they put so much fucking work and thought into this, and yeah, it's absolutely just, it, it shows on screen in a, a beautiful way, and yeah, I'm with you on, like, the representation thing, too. Like, it's amazing to have, like, this movie about, like, this Mexican, Mexican families, Mexican culture, set in Mexico, and yeah, dealing with this is very centric, like this Mexican holiday. It's like, we celebrate like Halloween in America, but as mm-hmm. far as like Dios los mm-hmm. Muertos always felt like this mysterious, like kind of more mature and cooler version of that to me. Cause I was like, oh, I wish like my family, like or other people celebrated that more openly. Cause it's like such a fantastic, beautiful idea, like to take this day. And it's like, you're not just, you know, putting on costumes and just like celebrating like scary stuff it's like you're you're honoring the dead and you're having this like conversation and yeah there's no a does in black culture but at my grandma's house there's like a wall and on that wall is just like pictures of all of the cousins and it's like it literally is many cousins and like relatives on there as you can fit and that's sort of like an like analogous kind of thing to the friend and i it's not quite that but it's like a a wall that's just like packed with pictures in a way that makes it, like, yeah, well, this is all of the people she wanted to honor and kind of, like, yeah. you know, show show her love, too, in a way. That, and it's still, like, a really gorgeous kind of sentiment. I really appreciate that. Um
1: So getting into... Yeah, it's, like, this. it's hard to talk about this movie because I feel like this movie just awakens so many emotions and so <laughs> many, like, personal experiences. Like, like, talking about this movie, we're talking about... I'm talking about, like, growing up being Mexican and, like... Uh, representation and then you're talking about like your family and stuff and so it's like this yeah. awakens things that are very personal to us um so it's like we haven't even talked about the plot <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and like characters and stuff so so let's i guess let's transition into into that uh um, yeah totally
0: yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, where
1: do you even start <laughs> yeah
0: because like I, I sort of brought up like the pixar era thing because one thing they sort of get like made fun of for a little bit is like oh we're just gonna like give toys emotions and go into their world and see what they are like oh now they're doing elements yeah yeah give, give fish emotions and kind of go into we're their gonna world give a
1: mexicans emotions can you imagine <laughs>
0: oh man it's gonna be one of the greatest movies ever made um yeah i don't know i i think it's it's great because yeah it's all about like going to this world of the dead and like it's like all these skeletons and like it, it's it is just like oh it is kind of playing into that joke but i don't know i think it works really well because like you said like you can have like parents sitting down with their children or adults sitting down and watch this movie and having like death expressed in this way that is like it's not a final thing it's like it's just the beginning Mm -hmm. of a new conversation it's just a beginning of a different form of a relationship with this person who isn't there anymore and the way that is depicted in this Pixar movie is like, yeah, like the land of the dead is this beautiful, vibrant city filled with um, I forget the name of the uh the Ali Brihays, like they're like they're spirit guys. Oh, the it's, spirit just, animals? Yeah. it's just like, yeah, there's spirit anim- animals there. And it's just like the little there's very obvious skeletons and like skull faces, but there's also like a lot of hidden ones, and like it's just fucking vibrant in every meaning of the word. It's just amazing. But yeah, like talk about the setup we have the the beginning of this movie starts off with the uh the uh habit written down it's called a papel picado it's had this movie sort of like the the history of Co- of Miguel's family sort of depicted in these little like uh the the rainbow colored mm-hmm. uh, petal things I think this is another great way to like honor the culture and also tell the story and give kind of catch us catch us up to speed with the the plot of these characters
1: I like that we sort of, uh, like, like, so, so, the story is that like her, this woman's husband leaves to become a famous musician and Miguel who's narrating says like, and she didn't, she, she didn't, uh, worry about that. Like she, she started making shoes. Like she got yeah. to work. Like, uh, she wasn't, uh, longing for his return. She just like took care of business. Yeah, Um, it's sort of like subverting what we expect from this sort of story. Um, But yeah, Yeah. she becomes a a shoemaker, and she trains her whole family to become shoemakers, and it go gets passed down from generation to generation. Which kind of makes me wonder why shoemaker? Like, is there a you know symbolic thematic meaning to shoes that I'm not picking up on?
0: I'm not sure. The way I sort of read it this time, it, it felt like music is this like more like uh lofty like more privileged kind of thing to go do Mm -hmm. and making shoes is more like industrial blue collar like just kind of everyone needs shoes yeah everyone needs shoes we just got to get money on the food in the (laughs) table food on the table uh this we just have to make money so yeah like it's it's not glamorous exactly yeah and also, I like that it's still, like, it's being told from Miguel's perspective. So, it's, like, it's a kid, you know, he's 12 years old. And <laughs> I really appreciate it. He's, like, like she could have chosen anything. She could have made fireworks. She could have, yeah. like, like, Underwear done for wrestlers. Yeah, like, something really cool, but she had to make shoes. And, like, just, yeah, just the perspective of a, a child. Just being, like, yeah, that's the most boring choice. And, yeah, it definitely works when they're, like, showing him, like, he's, like, the shoeshine kid at this, like, um, at the plaza, but then like, oh, well, you, now you're graduating to like actually making the shoes, and it's just like you're going to be making these every day after school, and even like I hear yeah. them, the way his dad says, and I'm like, oh shit, like that doesn't sound like a lot, yeah. like, like a lot of fun,
1: well, especially because he's still a child, so it feels yeah. like like you shouldn't. This is child labor now, is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: like we don't want you sewing and hammering shoes all day. Like, <laughs> go play that guitar, boy. Yeah. So you this has sold kind of breakdown of the day of the dead and like explaining how how this works um I I didn't really do like plot by plot notes. I was more yeah, I didn't either. sucked into uh, sucked into just I didn't take else I didn't take thing.
1: notes at all honestly I just started writing stuff down before we did this but um but so yeah Miguel is obsessed with this um musician who's sort of like think of him as like Mexican Elvis he's a you know sort of king of his uh, field of music, and yeah. he becomes an actor also. His name's De La Cruz. Ernesto or like a, De La a Frank Cruz. Frank
0: Sinatra, kind of. Uh,
1: but, uh, he's obsessed with De La Cruz. He wants to be just like him, and his great-great-grandmother, who you know, her husband had left to uh, go become a musician, he believes that that musician, that husband, who abandoned his family, was in fact Ernesto De La Cruz. Yeah. So he's like all right well i'm gonna be just like him he he goes to uh you know a talent show he doesn't have a guitar his grandmother brit destroys his guitar because this family has banned music it is what destroys families um and so he goes and steals de la cruz's guitar and that is what kind of causes him to journey into the world of the dead having stolen
0: a dead man's instrument also, I want to point out um, the way that it sort of plays out in this first act is you sort of get the narration from Miguel explaining the story of like the musician walking out on his great great grandmother and then how she uh, began a life of a shoemaker and then he tells the story of Ernesto and so in your mind is sort of you're already putting the pieces together like yeah. oh yeah like Ernesto has to be his great great grandfather like yeah. it's that's the only logical conclusion and I love that this script is just like fucking just two steps ahead of you already and it's just like it flips that on us like when we get towards the end of the movie and we get the reveal that he, he isn't and I think it's just amazing the way he yeah. does it
1: so once uh, Miguel gets to the land of the dead he crosses path, he uh, crosses paths with his dead relatives, who, uh, you know, the only way he's going to be able to get back to the land of living is with a family blessing. However, no one wants to give him this blessing, or they only want to give him this blessing with the, um, you know, agreement that he will never play music again. That's the, yeah, uh, has condition, a, a condi- yeah, condition attached to it. Yeah. So, uh, so he says, "Fuck that! I'm gonna find De La Cruz, and I'm gonna yeah. get his blessing. I'm gonna get a musician's blessing. This way, I can do what I, I can. I could play music and return." Um, so he crosses paths with a dead man named Hector, who's desperate to get back to the world of the living. No one has, no one has put his, his photo on an ofrenda, so no one's no mem- no one's remembering him. He's in fact, he's actively being forgotten. Uh, which once you are forgotten, that is what they call the final death. Uh, once you're forgotten, you disappear from the land of the dead. You truly cease to be. Um, yeah. Hey. So the agreement, <laughs> yeah. So the agreement is like, I'll help Hector. He- Hector will help me find Ernesto de la Cruz, and I'll g- I'll return back to the land of the living. I'll remember Hector. I'll put his photo up, and he will continue to exist. Uh, and he will be able to return to the land of the living on the day of the dead.
0: Um. So yeah. Yeah, it, it plays out in just like a very visual way because, like, once he like dis, once he steals the guitar and like he has this beautiful moment where he's like inside of that little um uh, like I f- don't know what you call that that uh like grave site like inside like a what's it called like a like not,
1: a, I want to say like a tomb.
0: <laughs> yeah i almost i almost say crypt but it's not crypt it's, it's something a little more elegant than that yeah. um but he has like the picture of de la cruz and he's like gets the guitar and he is like very timidly like hey like i'm your know, like your great great grandson like i'm doing this to like just to prove a point like i'm like this like this, we're connected like i hope this is okay that i take your guitar and he like strums it and all of like the the pedals on the ground kind of like flare up and mm-hmm. then like they start to glow it's, like, such a, like, a nice little detail. Like, it feels, like, just really visually driven from that point on because all of, like, the, the police are, like, looking for him. Everyone's, like, looking for uh, looking for Miguel. And he, like, runs out and he just starts, like, going through people and, yeah, realizes, like, yeah, that he's gone. He's, like, he's completely invisible to them. So they can't see him. And then, like, the family member starts popping up and they're, like, all, like, skeletons and they're all, like, dressed really in beautiful colors and stuff. And Yeah, then they, like, lead him to this amazing, like, orange bridge that just, like, goes off over into the Land of the Dead. And yeah, that movie, like, really, like, picks up another notch once it gets to the Land of the Dead. And there's just so many gags. There's just, like, so many, like, fun things that they Mm -hmm. do with the skeletons. And especially through the character of Hector. And I think that's where it really kind of, like, excels as, like, an animated movie because he's, like, always doing something. Like, his, Mm. like, head is spinning or, like, he's, like, taking off bones and, like, using them to, like, yeah. do stuff. I was going to ask if there's a, a gag that you like the most, because I have one that's, like, I think it's just absolutely hilarious.
1: For me, it's the bouncer requesting a photo with Ernest. Yeah. I think he's requesting a photo with, is it De La Cruz, or it's just it's, some it's a, other celebrity? It's a luchador. Okay, so, yeah, he's requesting a photo with a luchador. Uh the luchador agrees he the <laughs> bouncer takes off his own head hands it to the
0: luchador and then yeah. takes the photo himself yeah uh, that's so my... great yeah i like the when they're like going to hector's like well i don't know where de la cruz is but i know where he rehearses and so they're going to like the rehearsal space he uses his, his arm as like a bow and arrow to like <laughs> yeah. it, to hit the the window and then she, he gets inside and then she completely starts to Hair into him because he uh, borrowed the Frida dress and didn't bring it back. And yeah, the, the, like the continuous gags of him dressing up as Frida is also really fucking funny.
1: The Frida stuff is weird. I remember the first time watching this movie, and I was like, "It seems weird to incorporate this real person into this movie because yeah. it's like, would she have wanted to be in this? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just we're just kind of taking for granted that like she has no say in the matter."
0: Yeah, a, a little bit. It's a, a little on the fence. Um I don't know. I think also it's compounded by the fact that they kind of like like poking fun at her like a self-portrait style and like her mm-hmm. grandois <laughs> tendency is to be like this is like a depiction of me and like it, like the the cactus is also me. <laughs> like it's just yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, it's a little it, it's not like mean-spirited but it is is certainly like poking fun at it. Yeah. yeah or playing I around I, with Frida. <laughs>
1: yeah i think it, it does sort of like i don't know mythologize someone to incorporate them into a movie like this it's like um they are larger than life it's like incorporating a like hercules or something into a movie it's like they, yeah. they're it's like sort of solidifying them as like
0: legendary status um yeah definitely yeah, it, it it works for me, but yeah, I think if I was a Mexican person, I might have oh, me a different sort of I might have a little different opinion about it, but I don't know. I, I think yeah, it does feel like yeah, she is this massively larger than life sort of person, and like and I think it honor it, it. Also, it might teach kids about this person they might not know yeah. about this artist that they wouldn't have found out about otherwise because yeah, it's like these young kids they, they might not be out looking for. Her. Uh, progressive uh, self-portrait artists yeah they might
1: like end up hearing Frida in school and be like oh the lady from Coco real person (laughs) and (laughs) then like be a little more interested to learn who they they actually were
0: yeah totally yeah Uh, and also yeah I like yeah just the way that it sort of progresses once we get into the land of the dead because it feels like yeah like it's just there's like there's no rules kind of well there are rules like we have our uh our clerk guy sort of explain very clearly as yes yeah, like you need a blessing to leave and you have to do it before sunset mm-hmm. and it, like you have course, to get sort of ha- sunrise. sunrise right. sun, yeah, sunrise you have to leave before sunrise and you have to sort of get handed this flower petal and so it's very clear what those rules are but once we're like in this world it sort of feels like anything is sort of possible it just feels like really fun because you can have like a cameo like that and sort of do that and also we have uh, his dog Dante, sort of going with him too. So it's also we have the question of like, wait, how is he allowed to be here? Like, what's going on? Like, it's it's a good time.
1: I love a Mexican hairless. I remember. Yeah. I really want. I really want one, but like, I don't know how hard it is to find those breeds. <laughs> I I have seen them pop up every once in a while on like dog adoption sites, but
0: yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. That was actually like the. Uh, state dog of mexico or how do you oh, i don't think you, i knew that yeah it's like that type of dog is yeah it's like the like a uh, iconic breed of mexico but also, it also has like connections to uh like an Aztec myth that like once a person dies they have to make a journey to the world of the afterlife but they can't do that journey alone they need to have this dog sort of guide them there to it hmm. you
1: know more than me Okay. I learned that from a
0: YouTube <laughs> video that is about the behind the scenes of, of, of Coco. Coco. <laughs> I, learned, I learned that like 10 minutes ago. I didn't know what the dog breed was called either. It's a, I mean, so I don't sh- know how to pronounce it. Yeah. It's a tricky name. I, I was going to attempt it, but yeah, it's somewhere in my notes, but yeah, it's a, he's a, he's a goofy little, little, little sidekick too. He's, he's, he's falling around everywhere. Tongue is out. And, but also like very subtly guiding Miguel towards, like the actual truth and like his actual ancestor in this movie, which I think is really clever. Yeah. Um,
1: so, what do you think of uh, Hector, the
0: character of Hector,
1: by played by Gail Garcia Bernal?
0: I think he's great. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, he's sort of introduced to us as like he's kind. Of, he's trying to sneak back. He's he's trying to be a little sneaky, get back into the land of the living, so he can put his picture on the uh, on the ofrenda or like be remembered by his uh, by his family members. And I don't know. Like he's very visual. Like I said, like I really appreciate all the gags of like his, like using his head or like, you know, using his arms to just like be just very, very animated. And I really appreciate that.
1: Very cartoonish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cartoonish and a lot of fun. Just like watch on screen, but also, yeah, he's like a huge emotional part of this movie. Cause like I said, once we spoilers, once we get to the reveal that Hector is actually Miguel's, great uh, great grandfather and he mm. wrote the songs so, like it's just like this whole another like side of sweetness to this character that's just absolutely gorgeous and yeah when he sings the lullaby to to, to Coco? Coco to Mama Coco yeah oh, my it's god like, it's just it's, just <laughs> it's so, so, so
1: <laughs> yeah. heavy
0: it's so good tearing
1: my heart out
0: yeah just like one of like one of the best like songs from like a Disney movie and I was gonna yeah. ask you like Like, what do you think? How do you think this movie sort of fits in like the legacy of Disney movies? Because I feel like Pixar movies weren't necessarily known for being musicals, but like the Renaissance era of Disney movies, where we were kids, like a lot of them were musicals, and a lot of them were all about like making songs. But this kind of takes it on another level because it's like a a musical about music.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's weird because it's not like it's all it's all it's hard to classify as a musical because every time someone's breaking out in song it's not a representation it's not like some sort of subjective experience being externalized like it's yeah, actually yeah, happening yeah. within the narrative like that they're singing um so i almost don't even think of it as a musical
0: um that might have been the wrong word for it but it feel it's like it's like very close it feels like very close to that because it, also in the behind the scenes they were saying that this movie all was going to open with an opening number and I think that would hmm. yeah, have made solidi- it more yeah that would have made it more like one yeah, yeah it would have solidified it more as like a musical if it like it began with that opening number and ended with a the song at the end and there's songs in between but yeah it's not like uh, there's not a lot of songs I feel like yeah there could be more moments of music in this to, to like, make it qualify as a musical. But I think it's it's very, it's like, it's very close to that line.
1: Cause it's like, yeah, we, this movie is only like an hour and a half and we hear remember yeah. me at least three times in this movie. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's like maybe like two or three other songs that we get. Um, so it doesn't seem like, I don't know. Like it's definitely like about music, but like music I don't know. It's it's an interesting relationship where it, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily. Uh, I don't want. I, w- I kind of want to say driving the movie. Yeah. Um,
0: you know. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. It, it is. It feels very close. It also. I think the fact like, that it is like a Disney movie, it kind of. It's just reminding. No pun intended. Kind of yeah. It's like reminding people of like that era of like. Oh yeah, it's like Pixar movies don't really have this in it, but like these are. This is kind of what the lifeblood of Disney was for a minute.
1: Because a lot of Disney musicals, the music it feels like musical music, (laughs) versus the music in these movies feel like songs. They feel like a song you would hear on, like, uh, not necessarily in a movie or like a stage production, but like on a record. (laughs) Um, Yeah, totally. You know, it's not like "Let It Go," Um, (laughs) which I think it's. Is it not the same? Did they work on the music? The people who wrote "Let It Go."
0: Uh, I'm not I'm sure. I think that they did. just got only like Latin artists and Latin composers to like go down to Mexico City to record and like and do all that stuff authentically. All but right. I don't know. It might there might be a songwriter or something in the mix
1: that I feel, I feel like I be. heard that somewhere. I, I didn't actually confirm
0: it. So
1: I'm not sure who who wrote "Let It Go."
0: <laughs> yeah. And also, I was going to i was going to ask, oh, yeah, like, what's your favorite song that, like, isn't Remember Me? But, yeah, I think there's only, like, two or three, so it's not, like, there's not a lot of choices in that regard.
1: Okay, so I just looked it up, <laughs> and the Let It Go people did write a few songs. Okay. Uh, it's Chris- Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, now I'm looking through and trying to think of what my... My favorite music moments were—I mean, I just like when he's playing at the talent show. I don't—I don't remember what the yeah. song is called.
0: Poco loco.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's a really great one. But yeah, it's just very lively and vibrant. Um, I don't know, like the uh, the song they perform during the De La Cruz performance. I don't have everything written down. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's
0: my favorite. It's the uh, La Leronia. That's.
1: <laughs> That feels that, a little more like theatrical, um, yeah. for where I think I prefer like the the prior song, which is more just like upbeat. Um, yeah,
0: uh, yeah, I like the La La. la fuck, oh, and that's sure a traditional
1: forgot. song. Okay,
0: I'm La Lera, it right now. La Leronea. I like that one a lot because it it plays into the whole like family banding music thing. So it's like the great grandmother sort of coming back full circle and being like, oh, she actually has like this amazing song that she can like she used to sing with her husband, but no longer sings. And it's like they're like running from De La Cruz. And so she's kind of like dancing around him and like trying to get away. And it's, yeah, it's very theatrical. It's just very visually driven. I really appreciate yeah. that one.
1: Hmm. That's interesting to me
0: that that's a traditional song.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna look that up after this. I've definitely heard of La Llorona. Um When I was growing up, Kakui. The was the uh, sort of monster that we heard about la uh, is a as a ghost but, yeah uh, the
0: kakui i think is like the boogeyman or something oh okay but... <laughs> yeah again i think it's a fucking amazing that this movie is able to be a vehicle for those like myths and those like traditional things like even if something like as silly as the um the uh, Abelita with a chancleta and like hitting, yeah, kind of like using it. I remember
1: like getting emotional about that in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, they got it right.
0: (laughs) It's like they, it's like they got that right. They did it fucking well. A little
1: weird that she throws it at the dog. A little uncomfortable. (laughs) She matches the guitar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not very happy about that. She, she doesn't take any mess. Yeah, well, she finds the like the shrine for De La Cruz. Yeah, she just like throws out the records, throws out the record player, yeah. smashes his guitar. Which I, I wanted to confirm or ask: like, Do you think that's like a guitar he made? Like a, is like like he just like upgraded like a completely kind of broken. I there's, think like, he yeah upgraded a shitty guitar.
1: Like he yeah. like, painted it and stuff.
0: Yeah, there is like nails as the fret boards and like using like a. A wrench to tighten the. Yeah. To tighten that'd be a the miracle if
1: he made it from scratch.
0: Yeah, and uh, Miguel—he's—he's he's from a, a family of craftsmen, so very <laughs> that's, that's really possible. True. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. De la Cruz is is great, but like, well, he's not great. That's <laughs> like I a think great villain. Reveal, but yeah, it's a great villain. The reveal of De la Cruz is really great, and I think it sort of ties back into to Hector's. Like, I don't think. You answered, like, what do you think of the character Hector? It kind of went on a tangent a little bit. Um,
1: I think it's a little weird that Hector, like, by the time we do get the reveal, it's, like, a little unusual that he never expanded on, like, what his relationship is with Delacruz during this whole adventure. I feel like some of that stuff could have been cleared up. (laughs) Like, obviously, I feel like they could have cleverly figured out a way to avoid having him say anything, um, because, like, he's you know, he's relying on Miguel to get him back to the land of the living, make sure he's not forgotten, so maybe he doesn't want to say anything bad about De La Cruz because he knows that's what Miguel has his heart set on. Yeah, um, yeah. Perfectly fine justification there. I can do the, uh, the work to interpret that that's probably what was going on. Um, but I think you know, maybe adding a little more of a solid foundation would have been nice. Um. But, yeah, I yeah. see that. I see that. Uh... I don't know. I I think it's like the idea that like he gets to land dead, immediately meets like his real grandfather, and goes on this journey. Uh, it just makes it feel very fairy tale to me, which I'm totally fine with. Um, like yeah. I could I could look at that like cynically and be like, oh well, it's very how convenient. But it's like it's a fairy tale. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's got a he doesn't have an evil stepmother. He has a, a grandmother who doesn't understand him, <laughs> and eventually comes around.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really great that we sort of have this, like, drama and this, like, hidden sort of plot that is sort of playing underneath all of this, like, really fun, like, adventure going through the land of the dead. We kind of find out that, oh, wait, like, yeah, like, Cruz is actually a villain. His whole, like, seize your moment thing is, like, that's actually kind of like his villainous credo yeah. where, like, he, like was on this tour with Hector and Hector wants to go back to his family because that he's, he's a good person. <laughs> and, uh, and De La Cruz just like, just wanted just to keep, keep on the road, keep making money keep singing. And he poisoned them and killed them and stole all of the songs. And it's yeah. like, it's really, it's like the moment kind of strikes me. It's like really dark. Cause yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then like, yeah, they do like this whole thing where there's, inside of de la cruz's like massive mansion he's like playing old films of his and like he, and miguel puts it together he's like oh wait like this is like a scene from one of his movies where like he literally like yeah he, like poisoned <laughs> Turn- some person
1: yeah i think it would have been nice to see so like de la cruz his whole thing is seize the moment i had to do all of this to succeed um it would have been nice to kind of balance that out with like people who are successful who didn't have to do that and, like, explaining, you know, why you don't have to.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Ultimately, this movie is saying, like, you know, family kind of comes first, but uh, it would have been nice to sort of illustrate, like, how, how you can balance success and, you know, a healthy relationship with your family.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, choices like... aren't,
1: the choices aren't sacrifice everything or
0: die. <laughs> like... Life. It's like, yeah, there are some bad musicians out there, but they're not all murderers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about his mansion? It's like, there's so much, like... I
1: I really (laughs) enjoy the scene of when De La Cruz thinks that, actually believes that Miguel is his grandchild, and he's like, or his great-grandchild. Great-great-grandchild? Great-great-grandchild. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) And he's, like, showing him off to everybody. And we get, like, a montage of, like... I think they're like riding horses together and like i don't know there's just it shows you the expanse of this person's even in the afterlife their wealth um yeah which is all based
0: on lies <laughs> all based on lies yeah I, I appreciate the uh the large swimming pool that's shaped as a guitar mm-hmm. i think that's That'd that's, be baller. <laughs> <laughs> that's baller, super baller um i like that um yeah he's being just like just showered with gifts he's like yeah it's like I'm on tons of people's uh, a friend does like I just yeah. have tons and tons of like guitars and gifts he doesn't know what to do with and, yeah it's a good time for the animators just to like go crazy and just like yeah like piles of guitars and just like there's so much stuff visually packed into this room also I uh, is it does it seem like Miguel's song that he plays to get his attention is that like something just like made up cause I was like that doesn't seem like it's a, a
1: written uh, thing Yeah, or like a De La Cruz song
0: no, yeah, it feels like he's... or no, it is a De La Cruz song. That's right. Uh, cause when it first starts happening, I was like, is he just, like, improvising and just, like, yeah. singing something Is this an no, original? It's, it's a <laughs> Miguel original. But, yeah, it's playing off the, the fact that, yeah, there's the screens inside of the, the
1: mansion. Yeah, play. they end up syncing yeah. up.
0: Just, just, I, just remember that moment.
1: I heard, I didn't actually confirm it when I was watching, that uh, you never see De La Cruz playing uh, guitar mm. in the movies that whenever he is playing guitar it's a close up of his hands with the implication being that he's using a double that he's not actually playing guitar himself interesting yeah mm, I have
0: to rewatch and focus yeah. on that yeah that'd be great I, yeah adds to his villainous aura of, yeah. yeah he's just phony, phony. <laughs> 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 well, yeah I love that I think that's great
1: Um, so something that was also like an emotional gut punch like right out of the gate of this movie is finding out who Coco is, yes, <laughs> like yeah, who yeah. the movie is named after, which is uh, Miguel's great grandmother, the child of what we have come to find out is Hector and uh, his great great grandmother, who started this whole shoe business. I believe her name um, is is it Imelda?
0: Yeah, Mama Imelda.
1: Imelda, um, and so yeah, Coco is the last living person who remembers Hector. Um, Yeah, yeah. And so... once, you know, Miguel is successfully able to return to the land of the living with Hector... Oh, he doesn't have Hector's picture. He only has Hector's song, which is Remember Me. Um, And he plays it for Coco. Like, that scene is outrageous. Like, in terms of how fucking heartbreaking it is. Yes, Uh, yeah. But, um, I love... So we get, like, one year later and we see the land of the dead and now coco is dead she's deceased and we see her land of the dead form there's something really fucking emotional about that too where it's like i think because she's so much shorter than hector so she still feels like his daughter even though in the in the land of the living she grew to be so much older than he grew to be before he died Yeah, Um, yeah, very interesting So they still have that, like, uh, father-daughter relationship Which is really, like, touching Um, Yeah I don't know, man. This movie fucking tears me apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking very sneaky. Yeah, it's a movie. It's called Coco, but yeah, once you learn who Coco is, it's like, oh, shit. Like, it's like, oh, it's, it's, no. is <laughs> Mama Coco. Yeah, also uh, kind of bringing up the whole Disney thing. That's another thing that sort of gets made fun of, like all these Renaissance Disney movies. I mean, like, oh, yeah, like it's all about like centered around the death of a parent. Like yeah. Bambi is like, the mom has to die. And like the fucking, the Lion King fucking... Mufasa dies like it's all about like this tragic death in like mm-hmm. the first act of the movie that then pushes everything forward but I think here is a good Coco is such a great counterpoint to that because it's like yes
1: well,
0: what if the kid death. dies. <laughs> well, yes it's like one it's like oh what if the, this kid is going to the land of the dead and like, also the emotional death is kind of happening at the end of the movie at the climax mm-hmm. but also the entire movie is about this conversation of like, yes, this person can pass away, but there is this entire other world where they will continue to live on, and also they live on in our memories and the way that we tell these stories, and yeah, it's just fucking beautiful the way that it kind of subverts that, like, that whole fucking idea of, like, these movies are centered around death in a cynical way. It just feels, like, so, like, uplifting.
1: Yeah, death is not the end as long as you remember your loved one, then... There's a certain power to that, um, yeah. You're keeping them alive.
0: Yeah, that's what's uh, so sad about. So like fucking really... strong. Yeah, there's a, a little moment where we have uh, Hector's friend, uh, Chicharrón, uh, played by Edward James, almost who's just like he's just like curled up inside of this like this hammock and he gives him the guitar and like sings him this song which I, I guess is like a dirty song that he's clean that he cleans yeah. up because of uh, miguel's presence but yeah that's a, a, that moment fucking got me really hard when he like pours him the the, the two shots of tequila and just like yeah. leaves one on the table for him when he disappears i was like fucking hey this is like this is hella heavy <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: flips it up yeah the shot of him flipping it upside down is interesting next yeah. to the un undrinking shot yeah uh, yeah, that, it is interesting that, 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 that there's use me. of alcohol in this movie. <laughs> like, I wonder if that influenced the rating at all. Um, Maybe. Do they ever clarify that it's tequila, or do we just know?
0: Uh, I th- I, th- I believe it's like we just know because yeah. of the, the this cultural and connection. And and stuff. Also, yeah, the I think also the dad makes a reference to it when he's like, the good when, stuff. He that "Yeah, it's like mind. bring out the good stuff." Yeah, it's another <laughs> sly reference. But again, yeah, it's like it's cool that yeah, this is a movie for all ages is for because like a lot of these heavier concepts are just going to fly over kids heads like it's like they're not really gonna they, they might help this movie might help them understand a little bit more but yeah i feel like some of these things sort of resonates a lot more once you're older and you've like dealt with yeah like knowing someone for a long for your entire life and then having them pass away yeah
1: it is a thing where it's like I don't know. Like, when do you show this to a kid? (laughs) Because, like, if you're going to show this to your child, you have to anticipate having some, you know, serious conversations with your child, probably.
0: Yeah, definitely. Not in the way where, like, with, like, Inside Out or something like that, where it's still, or even Up, where it's like, there's still, like, moments of that where it gets very heavy and it's talking Mm -hmm. about death, as far as Up is concerned, or, like, just really complex, strange emotions, like, with a inside out i think yeah it's like they might just like the the fun of the animation the fun of the characters they might be really into the talking dog and up (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's that's great (laughs) it's like i don't remember the first 10 minutes of this movie at all yeah i don't
1: know yeah, I mean, this fucking, one has plenty of silliness in it, but it's all yeah. but it's all in the land of the dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like it's all
0: skeletons. It's, <laughs> yeah,
1: there's no forget. It's constantly reminding you of what it's about. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I'll speak, I'll, speaking of skeletons, another good like ticking clock thing that really works for like from a, a screenplay perspective is like. Uh, Miguel, like when he gets there, and he's like, the first thing we see is like his his finger is turning mm. into like a skeleton, yeah. and then like as it progresses, we it's see like more, yeah, more of his body sort of turning into a skeleton until like at the very end, where it's like the the sun is rising, you can like see like his his body slash skin is like completely disappearing. Yeah, well done animators, well well done. well done on this. Also, there's a moment where he's like when there he's in the beginning when he's explaining like how. Uh, there's no music allowed and he's like blowing on the coke bottle there's like oh, these, yeah. <laughs> these, a, a close-up of the coke bottle but also you can see like little tiny like hairs on his face and i was just like holy shit like this it's like you don't need to do that but like the fact that you did it like just adds this extra layer of yeah. realism i need to,
1: to see it. this on a bigger screen
0: <laughs> yeah hey i got a projector make it happen
1: <laughs> i can sit really close to
0: my tv at home <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm gonna project this on the side of the house <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan of the sight gag of Ernesto was first killed by a giant bell landing on him <laughs> and that's how he meets his demise or that's how he sort of gets that's the last thing that kind of happens to him in the movie after the crowd turns on him and yeah they he sort of reveals his villainous intent the fact that he's like, literally killed like throws a kid off of a a <laughs> like this cliff in front of all of his fans. And yeah they sort of chase him and yeah it gets crushed by a bell again i think that's yeah. really funny
1: <laughs> what have you been watching lately
0: so i think i'm gonna mention um, something that is also related to disney um there is a youtuber that goes by the name of defunct land and he makes a oh i love
1: videos. defunct land
0: <laughs> so you, you, you might know what i'm talking about already um so yeah, last year he put out a movie or like, sorry, a, a video about the history of the fast pass. But this video mm-hmm. is like, it's a very, um, I think it's a little dry. I'm not super into, like, I wasn't super into it, but I think it's, it's fascinating how much detail he went into and in sort of researching the history of the Disneyland parks, uh, like the history of like how these lines became sort of, uh, notorious and the solutions that was offered to that and uh, and how that sort of played out to the modern era um, and I I would recommend that one if you're uh, listeners I would recommend that one if you're interested in like uh, industrial engineering and like statistics <laughs> it's a really numbers heavy one so it's mm-hmm. kind of dry but he just put out one it's called the uh, Disney Channel theme a history mystery mm-hmm. and it is Fantastic. It is really fucking good. It it gets kind of emotional at times, which is really surprising. It sort of gets self self referential. He's kind of talking about the nature of like being a YouTuber and it's like, does that qualify him to sort of is it's like, if you're doing extensive work and research and putting together this thing and calling people is like he a historian? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, are you a documentarian at this point or like what, like, what, where does that line get sort of get drawn? And I would say, you don't have to be a fan of Disney Channel to sort of like this video. Like, I'm going to make a guess. You probably didn't watch Disney Channel. up, well, did. Like, uh, no. did you? Yeah. I remember I was a Cartoon Network kid. I, Same. Nickelode- Nickelodeon was dope, but Disney Channel was always, like, it was good, but I wasn't, like, crazy about it. Um, And, yeah, it sort of had a big, like, network change and, like, sort of restructuring and, like, a visual kind of change around 2001, 2002 and um uh slight spoilers uh 9-11 comes into play in this movie in a funny way but in a funny way in a funny way i'm gonna I stand by the that funniest 9-11 um, has been in years but yeah it's a really really fascinating documentary about like who wrote the disney channel theme and like his hunt to like find this person to find this composer and i won't spoil the ending of it but it's really really well done and it really surprised me there's a lot of people saying that like that it made them cry got really emotional and i didn't get like super emotional not like i did like, while, like watching coco but it, it is a really really good movie about kind of like the nature of these big corporations and like how they produce things and also how important uh theme music and like these small like musical kind of uh motifs how like strong they can be to us and I don't know. It, it, as a person who That's like grew up watching watching a lot of TV, a person who loved like the Adult Swim bumps and like this, the little things like on like Nick at Night or stuff like that, it's just stuff in between the actual programming. Like, it, there's a lot of work and thought that kind of goes into that, and it's it's really good. So yeah, check out um, Disney Channel's theme, A History Mystery. It is hmm. very good. It's an hour and a half, but it is. A good entertaining. That was a long life. watch.
1: I uh it's good. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched Defunct Land in a while. I, I for I think it just like I stopped appearing in our recommendations for some reason and then we just kinda yeah. forgot about it. But um yeah, there was a period of time where we were watching a lot of Defunct Land and there was like one or two other channels too that kinda did a similar thing, but just It reminded me of being a kid and like flipping through and landing on the travel channel when they happen to be covering Theme parks for some reason, yeah. um Because it's just, I don't know. It like it's interesting. Like it, it feels like a Channel Channel level quality documentary yeah. on just these Definitely. rides that no longer exist. And so, yeah, they're very thorough. Um, and they're no longer, yeah, think... in my experience, they're not longer than they need to be. Like it never feels like yeah. it's it's you know fluffing for time or anything like that.
0: Yeah, it's like I think the one about the fast pass it is like interesting but it is not as uh it doesn't quite have like an emotional center to it like yeah. this one does i think that sort of helps it because yeah there's some of them that are like 20 minutes 15 minutes and that's like a perfect amount of time to just like go go over this topic but he's like he does like his research and he just like the lengths that he goes to sort of definitely justify the length of the actual documentary yeah so that's one. And also, since like I say, I always bring up Atlanta whenever I can, season four of Atlanta has a Disney kind of themed episode that's also a documentary, um, and it's about, it's like a fictional retelling of the man who made <laughs> the Goofy movie, and so it's like uh, without spoiling too much, because I think it's best to kind of go in completely blind, because like, as I'm, I was kind of uh, frequenting the forums on Reddit um with the, the Atlanta subreddit when this was sort of airing. And when the title came out, the title of the episode is the goof who sat by the door. And when that came out, people were like, what is this episode going to be about? And it is really great because yeah, it's like none of the cat it's like a complete detour. None of the cast is present. It's, con- it's told completely straight. is told completely as just like a, a straight documentary, but it's about like censoring the goofy movie as like the one of the blackest movies ever made. and kind of like it's it's just fucking really, really funny and really well made. and i I recommend it's that pretty episode <laughs> it's, it's 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 fucking it, it's so good. it's it's such a good episode. and it's also it's really ballsy that, like towards the end of this show, there's like there' yeah. three episodes left, and that was one of the last three episodes. And it's just again, it kind of goes back to. They're talking about themes of race and like how these things play out because yeah, like like I haven't seen the Goofy movie in a in a while, but after rewatching some clips of like yeah, this movie's kind of black as fuck, like (laughs) like in an an unironic way, and it's it's really interesting and amazing that Atlanta took the time to to tell it in a really fucking funny way. So yeah, that's those are my what I what I've been watching recently. What have you been watching?
1: Um, We finished Andor. Um, It had its season finale. Um, It's like, my only criticism against it is that it is very written. (laughs) Like, boy, (laughs) did they write this show. Um, There there can be very long stretches of dialogue sometimes where you're just like, please just show me something. (laughs) Like, show me something exciting. I don't want to just like sit and watch people talk. Um, However, it is perhaps the best. It is easily the best Star Wars show um, perhaps the best, yeah, and out. probably still probably the best thing that Disney's done with the property. Um, like Mandalorian's fun because it's like kind of silly and like Star Wars is at its core, pretty fucking silly. Uh, it's yeah. made for kids. Um, and or is the first time where it's like, oh, this actually feels like, it feels like Star Trek <laughs> kind of where it's like a little hmm. more serious and a little more thoughtful, um, and potent. Um, I was surprised uh, it was still going it just ended i think it was like 12 episodes or something like that
0: yeah because usually yeah they're like six episodes seven episodes yeah. but they like really went this for one it. was a little longer yeah um well That's i
1: think cool. it's gonna be fewer seasons because we know how cassie and andor ends <laughs> um yeah but uh yeah emily was saying she really enjoys it because it's very anti-cop surprisingly <laughs> like Hell it is yeah. <laughs> it is very much like like there there have been multiple times watching this show where i'm like this is insane like this is crazy that this is a star wars show um like i don't know i don't want to spoil anything but there's just like it is very clear like the police are corrupt uh and they have no humanity um it is about how like people like the villain is really well well handled where it's like the villain is an underdog within the system that she operates so we're like we're kind of tempted to root for her to succeed because she is being uh faced with like a conflict um however we're rooting for her to succeed when she's a fucking horrible person <laughs> so yeah so it's kind of playing into like um and because it is a woman it is like they said they wanted to i don't remember the exact quote but they they said they wanted to show how like a woman can fall prey to fascism basically um okay and yeah there's like moments it kind of there's moments that remind me of like the battle of algiers where it's just like okay. like on the ground revolutionaries um and like acts of terrorism <laughs> where like the terrorists are the good guys um yeah it's very interesting um so I'm happy they're, that. they're going there. <laughs> yeah, it is cuz like the whole thing was that you know, it, it, back during the original trilogy, uh the empire was supposed to represent the United States and like um you know, return of the Jedi was kind of supposed to be kind of reflective of like the Vietnam War in a way. <laughs> um
0: yeah, uh, yeah,
1: like these these the
0: superpower that's out of their element. Um Gotcha. Okay, yeah, that does make sense. I never put that together, but now that I'm thinking, yeah, they're, like, in the jungle. They're, like, yeah, fighting against this indigenous group of yeah. people. They're like completely failing.
1: Yeah, we have all the tech, we have all the, yeah, all the weapons, but we're getting fucked. <laughs> um, it's
0: like, they got slingshots in holes. It's yeah. Like they're, like, they're gonna win.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so I watched that, and then I watched Martyrs. Are you familiar with Martyrs? No, I don't know what this is. So, Martyrs, it's a French horror film. Uh, it was remade by Blumhouse. I uh, watched the original. I haven't watched the remake. I've heard it's terrible. But um, I've heard for a very long time that this is a very disturbing movie. Uh, I've tried to convince Emily to watch it with me, and she's like, no, I won't have any part in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, I got together with a couple friends, and we watched it, and... Uh, I feel like it would have been a lot more disturbing had we not been drinking and making jokes <laughs> during the whole thing.
0: Um, it happens, <laughs> but like, because uh, it is
1: a very fucked up movie. Um, the premise: it starts with a a girl, uh, a young girl, escaping captivity, um, and she ends up in an orphanage where I, I, I think another girl has is having like another girl, like kind of like tears up her own back or something like that. She has, like, blood Mm -hmm. on her nails and, like, in the bathtub. And, uh, I think she's, like, claiming something else did it to her. Um, but, like, the girl who had escaped captivity is, like, having visions of, you know, some evil, I want to say, like, an evil woman, like, trying to kill her. Um, we cut to 15 years later. And, uh, it is about... Gosh, I almost don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil anything. But it's like I haven't said enough to establish what the premise of this movie is. that <laughs> sounds like, good. I'm
0: looking at the poster. <laughs> the poster is hardcore. It is.
1: It is. <laughs> yeah. It is very. It, it continues to escal, escalate in a way I had. I had no idea where it was going to go. Like after I, I went into this blind. Uh, about 45 minutes in, I was like, what the fuck is the rest of this movie going to be? <laughs> because it feels <laughs> yeah. like the movie should have ended already. Um, and it just keeps going, and it's it, it's just taking you deeper and deeper down into the evil of what humans are capable of. <laughs> uh, in in gotcha. ways that, like, by the time we get to the climax, it's surprising. Like, I did not expect, like... Gosh, like this movie, it's it's very good.
0: Okay, um,
1: and it feels dirty. Like the the look of it is it. I don't know if it was shot on sixteen millimeter or what, but like it feels a little dirtier. There's a lot of like close ups that they're using and a lot of cutting, um, but it doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like an action movie with a bunch of quick cutting. But it just feels a little disorienting in a way that I think is effective. Um, okay, yeah, martyrs it just it it just kept fucking ramping up. I don't know I don't know how to put it. Um Sounds good. But yeah, if if you can stomach a movie where you know, a large part of it is about you know, like I said this it starts with a child breaking out of captivity, so par- it's a lot of abuse, a lot of trauma um trauma inflicted on kids. I don't think I I don't think that there's we ever see trauma inflicted on a kid in the actually, well we kind of do. Um, Gosh, it. Yeah. So yeah, be be warned. It may not be your cup of tea. <laughs> it yeah. shouldn't be your cup of tea. But um, yeah, we we all walked away from the experience like having an appreciation for it. I don't know if we could all say we liked it, but we have an appreciation yeah. for it. We respected it. Um, yeah. Even despite you know getting drunk and joking yeah. around, <laughs> most of the jokes were "what the fuck." <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sometimes but, you gotta do
1: that. <laughs> yeah.
0: How? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I was doing some research for work and came upon this Korean animated movie called The King of Pigs. And -hmm. apparently it's like, it's a movie about bullying and it it involves like a a time jump and sort of like these kids were like traumatized by some like hardcore bullying. And then it goes and like sees what they're like doing in adulthood. and It kind of reminds, Martyrs thematically sort of reminds me of what that movie is sort of trying to tell a story about. and so. I might do a double feature. I might take the <laughs> Martyrs and the King of okay. Pigs. <laughs> yeah. So Sometimes you got to have a heavy night. You know, mm-hmm. to appreciate the movies like Coco. You got to have a, yeah. a heavy night.
1: Oh, which now we got to figure out what is our next theme going to be. So,
0: All right, rolling the die. I'm going to roll the 20-sided die. I'm excited because, yeah, when I get back home, I have my D&D set so I can start doing some oh, dice rolls yeah. on my side. <laughs> I got yeah. a nice little 20-side. I rolled
1: a 12.
0: Oh, I don't even have this list up. <laughs> 12 is
1: zombies.
0: Ah, oh, okay. okay.
1: Just in time for Christmas.
0: So, yes. After romance and life <laughs> and death comes <laughs> zombies.
1: Now, yeah, we are undead. Um, yeah, zombies. I mean, there's, like, all the obvious ones. Night of the Living Dead, Evil Dead. Um, Dead yeah. Alive is one of my favorite movies, and is, in my opinion, the best, perhaps best zombie movie. Um, There's Shaun of the Dead, we've already talked about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we talked about Hashtag Alive in the Mm -hmm. Lost episode. (laughs) We'd never finished, it wasn't completed. Oh yeah, Lost, yeah, we lost that one. Um, Um, I'd be interested in Dead Alive, because I've never seen it. I
1: watched it kind of recently. I'm not sure if I want to rewatch it again so soon. Okay, maybe um, I'll
0: just watch it. <laughs> watch my, your own. my my own personal detour. Yeah, are there any? Z-
1: I'm trying to think of like what are the best zombie movies? Like, there's got to be one that I haven't seen.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You you seem to be the resident expert on, <laughs> on because I get stuff, burnt like. out on zombie movies.
1: Uh, oh. I got it. I know we're watching. <laughs> well, I got. All right. uh, if if you want to watch it, have you seen One Cut of the Dead? No. One. Uh, okay. Don't read anything about it. If you're open to this movie, uh, God, I don't know how to sell you on it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, it up, it'll, just, maybe it'll just be my pick when it, com- when it comes. I, I looked it like
0: up that. and it just I just yeah. noticed it's a Japanese a Japanese film. So um, does this sounds cool. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything besides the iconic you know like the the Romero films or like even the more like recent stuff like i like the the remake of uh dawn of the dead that's like a really solid remake but i think yeah once you sort of do some digging and like looking for like more indie ones or more like you know low budget ones could be interesting to go to but, um or yeah or zombie films from other cultures also from foreign cinema that might be a yeah. good way to do it
1: there's got to be can we get, like, interpretive with zombie? Like, what is a zombie, man? <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I'm What even it is all? a zombie? <laughs> movie about corporate life, man. <laughs> Bunch um, of zombies in those cubicles.
1: There's a shitty movie. There's a movie that's probably not very good that I've been meaning to rewatch. I saw it when I was a kid, and I'm like, I don't remember if this is... I feel like it wasn't good when I was a kid. It's probably not good as an adult, but I'm still <laughs> curious about it. It's called My Boyfriend's Back. Have you heard of that? Uh, no. It's from 1993. I know Philip Seymour Hoffman has a small role in it, um, but it's just about a teenage boy who comes back from the dead. And I, the only thing I really remember about it is that eating people heals his wounds. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cool. That's, like, literally the only thing I remember. Uh, I f- maybe there was, like, a sound that accompanied the healing of the wounds that, like, stuck with uh, me or
0: something. Huh. Um, hmm. Good memory because uh, I probably wouldn't remember something like that. Um, uh, it's like Weekend at Bernie's. Is, is that a zombie movie? <laughs> Weekend at <and> Bern-
1: <laughs> Honestly, well, is it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: He is dead, but he's just dead, right? <laughs> I think in the sequel when they play music, he dances.
0: <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen either of these movies. <laughs> I haven't seen either one. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, my instant thoughts just go to the iconic ones. And even yeah. if I Googled it, like.
1: I haven't seen Little Monsters. It's this Hulu one with Lupita Nyong'o.
0: Hmm. Okay. I do like me some Lupita. I almost picked um, the Train to Busan sequel, which I hear is terrible. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I hear it's not very good, but I'm always kind of curious about movies that they say are terrible. I'm like, why? Like, what? What's bad about it? I'm, I'm willing to go into the well
1: uh, I mean, yeah. Was that supposed to be bad? Train to Busan?
0: The animated it's thing, sure. right? Peninsula? Well, actually, there's... Well, there's Train to Busan, there's the sequel, um, Peninsula, and there's actually a prequel animated film that's called Soul Station that I hear is really good.
1: Uh, should we watch that? Soul Station? Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm down to give it a is, shot. Is
1: it Zombies? I assume it is, yeah. Is it zombies, zombies,
0: um... Over? Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes on that is interesting because it has it's 100% fresh from critics, and it has a 37% audience score.
1: Whoa. Huh. I wonder yeah, another who reason it why didn't I, work I with.
0: hate. <laughs> yeah, another reason why I hate Rotten Tomatoes because like it, it's not really helpful in some ways.
1: Well, it just makes me wonder, like who did this not connect with? Was it like anime fans who didn't like it, or was it zombie fans who didn't like it? And like yeah. who were the critics that were reviewing it? Because sometimes, like... I feel like with smaller horror movies it's usually like websites like uh dread central and stuff which are like horror based that are reviewing these movies so they might be a little yeah. more lenient on that stuff you know, i don't know i'm down i'm down I'm, d- I'm down to check it out
0: okay soul station yeah all right after our little break for me to return to america we'll return back with soul station As I leave Korea, I'm going to choose a Korean film. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. That's how how we do it on Vague Zone. We got to keep you on your toes. All right. Well, this has been episode 109 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or theme suggestions, let us know. You can tweet at us at Vague Zone on Twitter. Let us know what you're watching. Um, But yeah, it's been 109. Thank you for listening. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Though I have to say goodbye, remember me. Don't let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. I sing a secret song to you each night we are apart. Remember me